You know, Father's Day is, uh, it's, a, it's an easy holiday for me uh, to celebrate uh, because I have a really great uh, father. Um, I think we're going to put a picture up here. This is uh, me and my dad and my grandfather, uh, and I am the tallest one there by far. <laughs> and uh, those folks are tall in, in comparison to other members of that side of the family. Uh, but my dad is the guy in the green tie. And my grandfather is obviously not me. The other of those that... Okay, some of you will get that later. Um, so so that's, that, that's, that's my body shape. Some of you are now looking at that. Um, but this is my dad and my grandfather. And uh, they're both really good men who have had an incredible uh, impact on my life. Also, uh, my mom's dad, who's not in that picture, um, had a great impact as far as just a just a great male influence in my life. And so this is a really easy holiday for me to celebrate. I also love Father's Day because I am a father. Um, and these are my four, along with my wife, Corey. Um, evidently, we don't wear shirts in our family because I don't think Cooper's in one either. But uh, that's me. And then Tucker there is the little guy. Then Branson here is in his ninja outfit. Cooper just came up a second ago, and then Kinley is in the little papazon just about to get flipped out by Tucker. Um, she's 11 months now, so that's a little bit of an older picture. But, um, and so I love being a father, and I love Father's Day. Um, my wife took another picture that really just is kind of, it, it's very weighty kind of picture for me. It gives a really a sense of um, the man of my house role that I am expected to play. Would you throw this up here? She took this picture a while back. This is all of our shoes. Um, when we came in one night, um, the baseball shoes are mine. I think I got done coaching a baseball game for one of my sons, and then hers, and then Cooper's, and then Branson's, and then Tucker's, and then Kinley's. And when I look at this picture, some of you, you look at that and it doesn't mean anything to you. But when I look at this picture, I see my responsibility. I see, man, feet fill these shoes. And those feet live in my house. And those feet are not always going to live in my house. They're going to kind of go out into the world, those smaller shoes, they're going to go out into the world and, and they're going to be dads and they're going to be, you know, a, a wife and they're, they're going to be uh, husbands and they're going to be in the workplace. And so I see, man, I've got this limited time. And some of you are, <clears throat> are old enough to understand that because maybe your kids are already out or they're very, they're nearing that stage, you know, when they turn like 30, when they move out of the house, right? <laughs> That's somebody, amen me back there. Um, but you know, the idea being that I, I realize the weight of being a father, you know, in our culture, we hear statistics all the time about the importance of fatherhood. Um, greater than like 80, 85 percent, depending on which study you look at, um, the, the, the young men on death row throughout our nation, 80 to 85 percent of them grew up in homes without uh, a father figure presence in the home. And so you look at that and you can't necessarily attribute it directly to that statistic, but you look at the importance of having a father in the home and in that role. And, and I realize that not everybody has that opportunity, but I see for me, just in my home, in my family, what, what my responsibility is. And it's not just to keep them off death row, right? I mean, I'm not just looking at what's the lowest common denominator here. I want to invest in my kids in the, in the time that I have so that at some point I'm able to release them back into the hands of the Father, the Heavenly Father. And allow them just to, to go anywhere that their heart desires in pursuit of him and his will for their life. To do incredible things for his glory. That's what my dad did for me. 
My mom and my dad, they were extremely influential in my life and allowing me to pursue God with all of my heart and just do anything that I really felt like God was calling me to do. And so that's just, you know, as, as if you're a father in here today, I know sometimes it's tough. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I know sometimes, man, you're, 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 maybe you're working a job. And I'm not implying today that motherhood is not important. I'm just not a mother. And so, you know, like, I can't speak to that specifically. But for fathers, man, I, I understand that, man, you're at work. And you're, you know, you're sitting in traffic, maybe going to and from work sometimes for an hour or more or whatever. And you're, you're rushing in home and, and you, you know, you're eating dinner, you're grabbing dinner on the way. And then you want to kind of spend time with your kids. You want to spend time with your wife and you're juggling a lot of different things. You want to be excellent in as many areas as possible. And I know that this culture and in this world, man, that's stressful. I get that. But let me just say to you today, like, it's worth it. Okay. It's worth it. You've got you to honor the role that you've been given. And, and the greatest piece of advice my dad ever gave me, I think, or one of the greatest pieces of advice, was when he told me I was struggling one time to really understand the balance of, of, of my job and, and work and, and the, all, all the demands that were coming at me and, and, and the role of family, my, being husband to my wife and father to my kids. And, and he said, you know, you want to do your best in every one of those roles. But he said, if you ever have to choose, he said, make sure you choose the role where you're irreplaceable. Because he said, on your job, man, if you died tomorrow, they would cry for like 12 seconds, maybe. And they would already pull the resumes they're holding in case you leave to replace you. But man, your wife, she only gets one first husband. Your kids, they only get like one biological father role. And so lean into that. That has nothing to do with the message today. Uh, it does. But um, that's just my heart today. As I've been praying this morning, just thinking about it, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's a battle for our, our homes. And I just encourage you dads this morning that as you, as you fight the fight, fight for family. All right? Fight for family. Today we are jumping, uh, just continuing in our series in Ephesians chapter 3. Interestingly, we didn't have to like create a Father's Day message as we were just looking at this day and what this day would be about. We've been tracking now in Ephesians chapter 3 in this series, The Mystery, out of our year-long study in the book of Ephesians. And, and last week, Pastor Mark was here and he kind of concluded in verse 13 the, the message that he was speaking on. And if you go to verse 14, it really starts to talk about God as Father. So it's easy for us just to continue in that series, uh, it's continuing this series with this message today. So if you've got your Bibles, flip to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be there, a couple verses, it'll be up on the screen, but Ephesians chapter 3, um, and I know we just prayed a second ago, but since I gave my little sermonette, let's just kind of refocus. Let me pray for us real quick before we jump back in, okay? God, we love you, we thank you for this time. God, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, let us hear from you today. Let me speak with clarity and boldness what I believe that you've laid on my heart. But God, let us hear from you today above everything else. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. Um, this is what it says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. And right there we kind of move into the next passage, which we're going to get to 
um, next week. But you have a couple of things at play here in verse 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, who is the I here? If you haven't been tracking with us for a while, Ephesians is a book. It's really a letter that's written by the Apostle Paul. He's writing from prison to this church, to this people in the city of Ephesus. And he has, in verse 1... Uh, been saying to, to the people there, the Jews and the Gentiles, these two groups that coexist here in this church, um, which was still a very new idea. He's saying to them, hey, I'm in prison on behalf of you Gentiles. Then he goes on this little like, uh, you know, rabbit trail, which I do sometimes when I'm standing up here and he just kind of goes off and he talks about some things which are all good. And then he comes back in verse 14 and picks up the thought which he started in verse one. And he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. He's talking about for the re- I'm in prison so I'm in this place, I'm in, I'm, you know, I didn't necessarily choose this place other than my own actions to you know, please the Father by what I was doing. But for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And there's a couple things that I want us just to kind of deal with today as we look at maybe fatherhood, but really for all of us. If you're not a father, you're, 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 um, you're, you're not married, you're, you have no kids, you're a woman, um, which probably precludes you from being a father. Um, whatever your role is, I think we all can relate to this today. But I think there's several things that jump out here. Really, it's just one main idea. And it's kind of two sides of that same idea. But it's, you know, what do we get from God or what are we asking from God and what is God getting from us? I mean, that's really the two things here that I think are found in this passage of Scripture. Let's look at verse 16 to start. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit In your inner being. Now, there were several words as I read this verse right here out of this larger passage, several words that jumped out to me. Those three words that really kind of stood out to me were riches, strength, and power. Now, when I think of manhood, right, I think of, you know, guys wanting riches, strength, and power for the most part. Now, I'm not saying that any of those things are bad. I'm not even saying that's exactly what's being talked about here because it's not like monetary riches here. It's talking about the riches of his glory. But the words riches and strength and power or strengthened uh, with power, those are like man words for me. I mean, I, I, I want to do the Tim the Tool Man or whatever. I can't do it. But I mean, that's what I want to do, right? Because I just see those and I think man, manhood right there, right? That's what I'm thinking. But really, when we look at these words, I'm thinking for for a lot of us, men, women, children, um, those that have been walking with the Lord a while, those that are relatively new to maybe just checking out who God is, we look at those words, and if we're not careful, those are the kinds of things, the kinds of words that we pursue God for. I mean, we kind of come to God saying, okay, what can you give to me? What is it that I get from you out of this relationship or by coming to church or by reading my Bible? You know, people tell me, okay, I'm supposed to do these things and not do these other things. So if I do that, if I like score well on the test here of of following you, what do I get in return? And I think when we look at this right here, we see maybe, maybe power and strength or riches of glory or whatever. Maybe some of those things are the kinds of things we would receive from God and all of those things are good. I mean, every one of those things are, are, are true and they all represent who God is and a part of his nature and a part of his power. And I know in my life, because of the stress and the strain and all the, some of the things we talked about just a second ago, I mean, I really need the strength and power of God to really make it through sometimes. I mean, I, I, like I said, I mean, I, I'm not saying I, I'm more stressed out than anybody. I, I know there's people that have got a lot of different circumstances, but I know just in my life sometimes... I'm just like, man, I just, I need strength to get through the day. I need five hour energy or something. I mean, I've got to have something to push me through this, to get me through this. 
And so I'm looking for any source to create that. And so if I'm pursuing God, God, give me strength for this. Let me help it make through this. Give me the power for this. Or, uh, and so I'm looking for those kind of things. So maybe I'm pursuing God to get those kinds of things. If we jump back to verse 14, though, before we ever get to maybe what we get from God, let's look at some things here that maybe God gets from us or God desires from us. Look at what Paul said beginning in verse 14. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Now, a couple words jumped out at me here. And none of these definitions are going to be earth shattering for you, okay? Because I'm not reintroducing like new terms here that you don't know. The word bow means, as you would expect, to bend your knees or lower yourself in religious devotion or submission to one with more power or authority than you. Anybody didn't know that's what I was going to say when you, when you read that? I mean, bow, it's, we understand kind of that idea, but the word here, you know, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, this idea here is that I'm going to bend my knees. I'm going to literally like lower myself or submit myself to the Father in this context, but to something, to someone who has more power or authority than me in this world. And so Paul is starting this passage, this part of the passage here, by saying, for this reason, about what's already been spoken of here, for this reason, because I'm in prison and because of all the things that have happened here, uh, giving the context to the Jews and Gentiles at Ephesus, for this reason, while I'm in this life and things are happening and I'm, I'm kind of being persecuted on some fronts, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. All right? So I'm, I'm literally lowering myself either... Physically lowering, like maybe if there's someone here, like the, the queen or something, if you're supposed to do, I don't even know if you're supposed to do that, but like whatever, whoever on earth, but in this circumstance, I am submitting myself to the Father, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in some translations, to that, to that person, that being, however you approach him, I'm bowing there because he has, I'm acknowledging that he has more power, more authority than me. All right, so I'm doing that with my life. And the second thing that kind of jumped out here is the word father. All right, and the word father is defined here as literally your father. Like literally someone who is the biological or adopted father of someone else. Now, in this context, because it's identified, especially in some of the translations, as the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we understand that we're talking about God the Father. We're talking about Jehovah God. So I am submitting myself, lowering myself to God, the Father, because he has more power and more authority than me because of the circumstances of my life. All right, everybody tracking with me a little bit? All right, let's jump ahead. This is what it says now in in verse 15. From whom, so for this reason I bow my knees to the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, one phrase right here that just jumped out at me because I went, I just kind of grabbed it and thought, what does that mean, I guess? Every family on earth is named. All right, what does the phrase is named mean? It literally means to, to be given a name. Not like, okay, all of you are, you know, like Steve, right? I mean, you're Joe, whatever. I am naming you. Adam named the animals in the Garden of Eden. There's a, there's a job here. There's an identity that's transferred by someone else. So the Father, who we have submitted ourselves to, gives us a name. And not just to us, every family on heaven, in heaven and on earth. And man, when I read that, I was looking at this idea of family and I was looking at the idea that this 
this family word, it, it's used just a few times in the Bible. It's used in the, in the birth narrative of Jesus Christ in Luke that talks about Joseph taking Mary, who, who was pregnant with Jesus, to another town because he was the, of the house and lineage of David. He was of the family of David. So he was a part of this heritage line of David. So when, he, when there was a census called, he had to go to that town because he was a part of that line. Another place that we see this in Scripture is when we see that, we see that uh, the covenant of Abraham, that, that God made the promise to Abraham in Genesis, he promises him that out of the, the lineage of that covenant, these chosen people who, who ended up being the Jews, out of those chosen people, every, every nation on earth, every family group, every uh, lineage on the earth will be blessed because of the covenant of God. It's the same word here, the same passage of... He, he's, he's, the, uh, he's given the, the name to every family on earth. And so we understand that God is not distant from us in this earth, but he has transferred to us his identity. He's given us a name. He's given us, I just think about my dad. I carry, obviously, the same last name as my father, Isaacs. Okay? And so when I, I run across people from time to time who, you know... They, they know that name, not necessarily just randomly in Publix here in Canton or something, but if I'm at something that a group of people might, you know, we kind of go to the same things or we vacation in the same areas or we're a part of the same organization as it relates to this church, they might say, Isaacs, Isaac, you related to Bill Isaacs? Yeah, I'm, I'm his oldest son, you know, and then my usual stock line is, and I'm sorry about that, you know, please don't hold that against me. But um, so I, I'm a part of my dad's identity. I'm a carrying, I carry on that identity, that name. And for some of you, if you just think practically, take the spiritual side out of it for a second. You just think practically about your name. You just think about what's been transferred to you. Again, not Steve or Joe. I'm talking about your family name. You think about that. Some of you carry that with with pride. I mean, you're excited about what that represents. It may have opened up some doors of opportunity for you in in your field, in your business, in your, your area, in this town, whatever. I don't know your story. Some of you can't wait to change your name. Or you have changed your name. Or man, some of you, you ladies, if you took your husband's name, you are so glad that you did. Because you don't want to have that name. You don't want to be connected to that past. You don't want to be connected to that line. The idea being here, if I'm in relationship with God, I can take on his identity, the name that he's given to me. And this is a big deal for me as I look at this. Because... I get then all of the things available to me from the Father. I mean, we look at strength and power and riches and all the things there, and maybe that's not what you're looking for in a relationship with God. Maybe you're looking for something completely different. But if I'm in relationship with my Father, my earthly Father, I talked to him on the phone last night. If I'm in relationship with him, I mean, I don't know about your family, your, your, your dad, your mom. I don't know your family dynamics. But let me just tell you about my dad. If I were to call my dad today and say, hey, I'll, I'm, dad, I'm really thinking about changing you know, careers. and I think I'm going to sail around the world in, a, in, a, in an airplane. He's be like, you mean fly around? No, sail in an airplane, just through the water. What happens when you get to land? I don't know. We'll make it up when we get there. I think my dad would be like, okay, go for it. I mean, my dad would support me in anything that I said I was going to do. Now, he would say, now, have you thought about this? Have you considered this? Have you... I mean, he's going to ask hard questions, but I mean, I... 
Dad, I think I'm going to just like walk the earth and back. What are you going to do with Corey and the kids? I don't know. I mean, I think he's going to ask tough questions, but my dad would support me. My dad has done some amazing things to really help, you know, take care or cover up some mistakes that I've made. When I was younger, man, I, I was an idiot. And, and when I was in college, I ran up a bunch of credit card debt because I was broke as a joke. Um, and my dad helped me to navigate that and work out of that and, because he, he's, he's my father. There's, there's a benefit to being related to him, to being his son. And I don't have to walk timidly to him. I don't have to approach him like, man, dad, guess, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm able to come. Listen, this is what I did. I messed up and, and I want to fix this. I want to make it right. And my dad was right there to help me in that regard. There's a, there's a benefit from, from being connected to him because he's my father. And I don't know what you're looking for from a heavenly father. I'm not sure what your, you know, what your desires are. I'm not sure what you need from him. If it's just this forgiveness or peace or, or maybe you need some, need the love of God because you've, you've not really found that love in other places in your life. But there is a benefit that comes from relationship with the heavenly father. But the question is, if we go back to verse 14, the question is, are you willing to submit to the father? I mean, are you willing to bow your knee to acknowledge his power and his authority? Now, I'm not talking here like, get out of your earthly father for a second here. And don't, don't think about it. I'm talking about like if I'm in relationship with the heavenly father, I can't come to him and want all the spoils of who he is and my inheritance and what I desire and what I'm wanting and, and, and not submit myself to him, not stay in relationship, not acknowledge who he is. I think some of us, if we're not careful, we want the the byproducts and the benefits of him without taking his name. We want the, the spoils of it. We want all the things that he can give to us and we want to take those things and, and have those things for ourselves, but we don't want to submit ourselves to who he is. We want to live our own way, live our own lives, do it our own way. And then we say, hey, but I still want the power. I still want the strength. I still want the forgiveness. I still want the love. I still want the peace. Let me just say to you, that's, that's not... I don't believe that's what it's all about. I believe I get some of those things, and I'm not here talking like prosperity, like, man, you enter a relationship with God, and you're never going to have a bad day, and your bank account's going to swell. And I mean, I'm not talking about that, okay? Somebody just was like, I'm leaving now. <laughs> I don't know what happened to her. But the idea here is that I, I'm saying, listen, I want to be in relationship with you. And when that happens, when I'm in relationship with you, when, when I accept you as father, when I, I know you, when I approach you in this like deep, intimate, personal relationship, there are things that come out of that relationship that I receive just by being your son. I receive those things just by being your son. So what's your posture today? Like what's your posture? What is it that you're approaching God what mode are you going to approach him? I mean, are you coming at him very defiantly? And are you coming at him very aggressively? Are you coming at him very skeptically? Or are you willing to admit, and you're, you have more power and authority than me. You, you are holy. We just sang about that. I'm unholy, unrighteous. How, how are you approaching God? What are you looking to him for but... Really, how are you presenting yourself to him? I, I ran across this verse, and some of you, some of you have read this before. It's in Matthew chapter seven, verses nine through eleven, and it says this: Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, 
will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I, I want the best for my kids. And if my kids ask me for something, I want to try to make that happen. I may not always be able to, but I'm going to try my best to make sure they have what they need and even a lot of things that they want. Because I'm a father. I love them. I want the best for them. And again, please hear me today. I'm talking about the idea that out of relationship, I receive the identity of the father. And that's more than enough. It's more than enough. You know, dads, we talked about it a minute ago. I mean, I know you've got a lot on you. And some of us, if we're not careful, we attempt to do it all on our own. I mean, we're just trying to keep all the balls in the air without dropping any of them. Let me just say to you today that you don't have to do that. Verse 20 of this passage that we've read here in Ephesians chapter 3. It goes on to say, and and we skip two verses there, which we'll come back to, I think, next week. But verse 20 says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. You're talking about, man, I'm... I'm thinking about, I'm, I know what's required of, for our family. I know how much it costs to pay the bills. I know how much time it takes to get to work and from work. I know my kids want to do this thing and this activity. They want to go here. My wife wants to do this and wants us to go here. And, you know, we're struggling in this area. We're working through this. And, and I'm just trying to keep it all together and hold it all together. Let me just say to you today, before you try to fix it all yourself, Why don't you step back and kneel before the Father? Submit yourself to the Father who has more power, more authority than you. He is able to do all that you can think. He's able to do more than you can think and imagine. He's able to meet the needs that you can't even figure out how you start meeting the need. But I believe all that begins out of relationship with Him. Whether it's literally like this, or it is figuratively just in your heart, kneeling before the Father to say, I honor you. I bless you. I seek you. I'm not seeking the answers necessarily, but just for a moment, I'm just seeking you. Do you know that there's no other word in the Bible to describe God more than Father? Paul's writings, he uses it 42 times to describe God, Father. Eight times just in the book of Ephesians. Some of us, because of our messed up relationship with our earthly father, we struggle to see God in that way. But today, my encouragement to you is that as you pursue like all these things in life, that you look to the Father who has given you his identity. And you lean into that relationship. You seek him and seek his will and seek his ways. And you know what you find? You find a father who 
according to the riches of his glory, has strengthened you with power. Why? Because he is able. He's able. He's able to do abundantly more than you can ask or think or imagine. Lean into the Father. Everything that you're struggling with, everything that you're worried about, everything that you're facing. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I just want you to think about this just for a moment. Especially the dads, but I think all of us. If you were to pinpoint right now, what's my identity? I mean, where do I get my identity? What what is it that's the defining piece of who I am? Is it your job? Maybe maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your, your wife and your relationship to your wife. Maybe it's your kids if you have children. Maybe it's some type of status that you've attained. You got to some tier at work or you own a certain thing or a house or a boat or a car. And that's the thing that you desired more than just about anything. And now that you have it, it's kind of this shaping, identifying piece for your life. I want you to put that in the context of what we just read. That as we submit ourselves to the Father, as we bow before the Father, we can receive identity from Him. He has given us a name. And as you navigate life, as you try to figure out how to make it all work, know that He is able. I mean, you're trying to figure out again how to pay the bills. Lean into Him. Trying to figure out what's going on in your life and how to make this work and how to make that work and how to navigate this and the stress of marriage and the stress of family dynamics. He is able. He's your Father. You know, when Jesus taught us how to pray, taught us how to pray really in His first sermon that's recorded in Matthew. He taught us how to pray and He says, pray, Our Father. Abba, Father. It's this very personal, intimate word. It is most often connected to Father when we look at God and who God is. It's it's a part of that identifying piece for Him. Abba, Father. The Jews in that day, out of their ritualistic pursuit of God through the law, really struggled with that idea. God could be known that intimately. But today, just think about it in this place. Maybe, maybe you haven't engaged to this in this area, but man, we've, we've worshipped God. We've sung songs to God. His presence has been here in this place. We've lifted our hands. We've, we've opened our hearts. We've gone to His Word, which He gave to us, and we can know Him. We can pray to Him. Not this, like, we can never... We can pray to Him, talk to Him. We can hear from Him through a variety of ways. So what I want you to ask, I want to ask you as the band sings the song here, and I'm just going to ask if you're comfortable with this, and, and I was going to open it up to dads. I want to open it up to, to anybody that wants to come. And I, and I really am asking for a lot of us. This is not, hey, I'm coming to the front because I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. It's nothing like that. This is like, hey, I want to, I want to commit my life to just live in this bowed, submitted 
place of relationship with the Father. You know, I've tried to figure it out myself. I'm trying to work out the details myself, but I just want to acknowledge Him. I want to make sure my life and every aspect of my life acknowledges Him and who He is. And I want this relationship to be this identifying piece of who I am. I want, I want it to be where I derive my name, my identity. As a dad, if you're in this room, I would encourage you to stand and walk to the front. Just in, in consecration of yourself to say, listen, it, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. But I understand my job. I understand my role. More than teaching my kids how to throw a curveball. Or how to drive a stick shift. Or how to balance the checkbook. My number one goal, my number one priority in life is that I, as their father, want to make sure that whenever they need something, they know who to look to. They look to the father. And even if they're looking to me at this stage, they know I'm looking to the father. That I'm not trying to create the answers in my own hands, but I am looking to the father. I'm bowing my knees. I am submitting myself so anybody today that wants to join us up here, we're just going to say, hey, God, I'm in. I bow to you. I submit myself to you. I give myself to you. You're the the supreme power and authority in this world. And I, I understand my role. I give myself to you today. I trust in you today. So as the band sings, I encourage you to come. And as you stand here, you're just you're just blessing God with your life. You're honoring him. I want you to pray a prayer of commitment. God. Take my life, take my heart, let me be the example of who you are in me to my children, to my wife, on my job, in this church. Let's trust in the Lord with everything that we have. Can I just ask everyone to stand? Even if you're not here in the altar area, would you just stand with us? I just want us to pray these words almost that we've just sung. That as we attempt with our lives to just figure it all out and make it work with our hands and our efforts and all that we can do and all that we can accomplish, that today we're just going to say, God, we're, we're going to trust in you. We're going to submit ourselves to you. We're going to pursue you with our hearts. We're going to look to you first for the answers of the questions that we're asking. We're just submitting ourselves to your power, your authority, who you are. We're going to derive our identity personally as a family, as a couple, on our job. We're going to derive that identity from you and who you are. Let's just pray together. God, we thank you so much that you're a God that can be trusted. And God, we're facing a lot of stuff, but you know all about it. None of it's caught you by surprise. And so today, Father, I just I pray that every single one of us in this room, God, we would acknowledge you, we would look to you, we would trust in you. That, God, we would pursue you with all of our hearts. That everything that we come against that needs us to respond. It needs an answer. It needs an effort. It needs a a payment. God, we would look to you first. It may still be our own efforts that, that create the solution. But, God, we believe that power comes from you to do it. We believe the skill comes from you to do it. We believe the knowledge comes from you to do those things. And so, God, as we begin that process every single time, we, we, we submit now that we're, we're coming to you first. We're bowing our knees, bowing our hearts to you in submission of your authority and your power. We believe that you can give to us our identity, our name, our purpose, our life. And that God, out of that, we can receive other benefits and other blessings. But God, first and foremost, we come to you for you and not for your hands, not for your blessings. We come to you for your name. We come to you, God, because you can extend that name to us. 
And so, God, we trust in you. We pray, God, that you would help us not not boast in our own wisdom, boast in our own efforts. But, God, look to you and give you glory and honor in every circumstance for who you are. I pray that for every person in this room. For some of us, that's hard because we've got to break our hearts. It's hearts that are used to relying on us. It's hearts that are used to our efforts and, and our knowledge and our experience. But God, today we just break our hearts and submit to you and give you everything that we are. God, even this week, let it begin. Compel us, pull us, prompt our hearts to look to you. And we thank you that you're a God that can be trusted. In an earth and a world that is untrustworthy many times, when people will fail us and let us down, you are a God that can be trusted. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Can we sing this chorus together one more time as we conclude this prayer moment here? Trust in you, Jesus.